throughout this particular episode, you might notice that our audio quality is a little different than it has been in the past it's because we did the majority of this episode while cooking, so we were moving around the kitchen. Um, also, in the second half of the episode, you'll hear that my voice level drops significantly. Uh, that's not because I was feeling sick or anything like that. It's because our guests who shared this meal with us were actually asleep in the other room, so I was trying to be conscious of that. So I hope you enjoy. Hi, I'm Sean. And I'm Dana. Welcome to My Neighbor's Table, a podcast for adventurous ears. So if you hear some music in the background, it's because our kids are eagerly awaiting dinner and we put on a ballet for them to watch while we did this. Happy Hanukkah! Happy Hanukkah! Uh, So the format of our podcast is going to be a little different this time, um, partly due to the fact that uh, of the foods that we're doing and how we are going to prep them. Uh, Also due to the fact that Frankly, we kind of ran out of time. It takes a lot to produce this. And with holidays and with work, we just didn't feel like we could put in as much effort as we have done before. Uh, Part of that is that for the format in this case, uh, we're each gonna actually prep part of this meal and cook part of this meal. So you can hear Dana in the background right now uh, doing her part. She's gonna be cooking the first half of this meal and I'll cook the second half. Uh, We're also not gonna have the interview like we had last time. So. Uh, specifically on this one, if you hear us saying things that are either not accurate or things that you think we could have expanded on, please let us know. Uh, we'll give you an email at the end that you can let us know. Yes. So, uh, despite our best efforts, we are relying on what we can find on the internet. And we know the internet can sometimes be not entirely correct. So if we get it wrong, please, please let us know because we want to get it right so badly. <laughs> so we're going to be doing... Um, Two specific Hanukkah foods uh, that we are aware of and know, uh, specifically because Hanukkah is coming up. Uh, in fact, we're releasing this episode on Hanukkah. So, as we said earlier, Happy Hanukkah to everyone out there who celebrates. The story of Hanukkah takes place beginning in the second century BCE. Uh, at the time, the Jewish uh, community had just been conquered by the Seleucids, which was a empire formed out of the Macedonian Empire of Alexander the Great. They conquered most of the Middle East at the time, uh, which included Israel and uh, Jerusalem. And the Seleucids were not as forgiving in terms of um, cultural practices. So they had specific God, specific traditions and customs that they wanted every single person who was a member of their empire to follow. This did not sit well with the Jewish people, particularly when the Seleucids uh, used the temple for some of their own worship practices, uh, including sacrificing of animals that were unclean in the Jewish uh, faith, particularly pigs. This meant that the temple basically, in terms of Jewish practices and cultures, became completely unusable. So uh, this angered several of the Jewish community, particularly a group of people led by a man named Judah Maccabee. Uh, They led a revolution against the Seleucids and managed to defeat them and claim back their their homeland. Uh, The first thing that they had to do after this was they had to reestablish their own culture and community, and that included a cleaning and a rededication of the temple. 
the story of Hanukkah uh, goes around this candelabra that was inside of the temple called the menorah. By tradition, the menorah was supposed to be lit all the time. It was supposed to never go out. So when they had cleaned and purified the menorah, they had to uh, get it relit. So they added enough oil to the menorah to get it to burn for one day. The miracle uh, of Hanukkah, which goes with this uh, sentence that you'll find, which is Nes Gadol Hayasham, which means a great miracle happened there. That miracle that they talk of has to do with the oil of the menorah that managed to burn instead of for one day, for all eight days. That's why Hanukkah is eight days long. That's why you light a candle every day of Hanukkah. And specifically, you'll see there's actually nine candle holders instead of eight. One of those candles is lit with a match and then that candle is used to light the other eight candles. That way each candle is lit with the same flame to kind of show that progression of the candle through eight days. Uh, one of the big traditions of Hanukkah is the uh, foods that are eaten. Um, all the foods that are eaten at Hanukkah are traditionally fried in oil. Once again, because of that great story of the oil lasting for eight days. So Dana and I are going to create uh, versions of uh, these dishes that we love, um, that we've looked into and researched uh, and managed to make. We're only gonna do it for one day, but uh, it's always fun to do that. So Dana, what are you going to be cooking as a part of this Hanukkah uh, uh, podcast? I am making potato latkes, um, and the potato latke is, uh, it comes out of the Ashkenazi branch of uh, Jewish culture, uh, and these are the Jews who, um, after leaving uh, the Holy Land, settled in uh, Eastern Europe and Russia. So what what is a latke, exactly? A latke is a pancake. Uh, which is fried in oil, uh, the, and we discussed already um, the significance of frying things in oil at Hanukkah to celebrate uh, the miracle that happened there, that there was enough oil to last for eight days. What I found out in my research, Sean, which I don't think you knew. I didn't know this. Did you? No, actually, I didn't. Did you know this? No, did I'm, you I'm know? actually, I'm actually did surprised. You know, did you know that latkes, before they were made out of potatoes, they were made out of cheese. That sounds crazy to me. That honestly does, because I feel like I've heard of like crispy enough cheese, but mm -hmm. making a, a pancake out of it? It's yeah. kind of interesting. Yes. And honestly, if I had done my research before I had done the grocery shopping, I maybe would have attempted to make cheese latkes, and that might be something we make next year. But unfortunately, I've already done the grocery shopping, and here we are. We're making potato latkes. That's okay. I love potato latkes. Mm -hmm. I do too. I actually remember uh, as a kid, my mom making latkes for Hanukkah one, one year. We are not Jewish. That's interesting. And I think, I think she was trying to do kind of a bit of what we do with this podcast, uh, which is, I think she was trying to expose me to other cultures and other yummy cuisine. Uh, so way to go, mom. I think you may be 20% of our audience. Shout out to you. Thank you for inspiring this episode in part. I think latkes are, are a dish that people might be, might be aware of, even if they don't know that they're called latkes. But 
Uh, I'm really curious about how we get from cheese latke to potato latkes. So uh, potato became um, a popular choice for your latkes in Europe um, around the, um, the late 18th century. And around that time in Eastern Europe and Russia, they were facing um, some bad crops. Their wheat and other crops were not doing so well. Catherine the Great, the Empress of Russia, uh, at that time said, plant some potatoes and potatoes, and we'll see how the potatoes go. And the potato crops did it really well. And people discovered that potatoes were cheap and plentiful and full of calories and full of vitamins. They uh, became very popular food, especially for the poor and the poor people at that time um, were the Jews. And so uh, the Jews went on to create and um, master many different dishes involving uh, potato, including the potato latke. Potato latke um, started off uh, as being called the kartoffel. Okay, this is a very long German word. Kartoffel. No, 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 which later on was shortened to the Kartoffelwacke, which now simply is known as Lawaka. Can I can I mention something about the word? Hmm. So Kartoffelpankoken is uh, actually a mixture of two German words. Kartoffel meaning potato, pankoken being pancake or pan cooked. All right, so there you go, and that is the story of. Potato lockets. You've been working on these potato pancakes while we've been uh, recording. So can you yes, tell me that what you've been doing? The the sound you may have heard in the background earlier in the podcast is me furiously grating potatoes because this recipe calls for four large potatoes. So I started off uh, grating the potatoes and a small onion, um, grating them together and then squeezing out the excess juice. Uh, Why'd you do that? To help them stick together better. I, I, you know, it doesn't actually call for it in this recipe to squeeze out the extra juice, but I, I remember that being something that you're supposed to do with other vodka recipes I've worked with. So I just did it. Okay. Um, and then mixing in two eggs, which I just did, and then mixing in matzo meal, which I've got a bit of that right here. Uh, so I'm gonna mix this all together Sean, do you want to get some oil going in something? In the cast iron? Sure. How much? It needs to be a quarter inch deep. Okay. Uh, so when we fry in this house, which is not actually that often, um, we like to use our cast iron because cast iron has very even heat uh, and it retains heat really well, which makes it very easy to fry. When I fry, I tend to I, put my oil to around 360. Um, I do not like to fry because I am afraid of the hot oil and also of all the calories. So frying does not happen very much for me. Sean is a little bit more accustomed to it. So I let him handle the hot, hot oil. Well, and I mean, to be fair, everything I know about frying, I learned basically by watching Food Network, to be fair. 
my family did not fly a lot when I was a kid either. My uh, mother was a dietitian, and flying was a pretty big no-no in my house. So uh, it's been fun as an adult taking it on more and more often. Uh, sort of as a rebellion thing, you might say. All right, so now I'm mixing the matzo meal in with these potatoes. And the there's also, I mentioned earlier, two eggs in here. And those, I believe, are binders to help the potato kind of stick to itself so that you can form them into little pancakes. So uh, just so you guys uh, understand, if you don't know what matzo is, uh, matzo is a... Um, an unleavened bread, uh, similar, well, in my mind, similar to a cracker. Um, it's eaten traditionally at Passover. So when we talk about matzah meal, we're talking about the parts of um, a matzah bread that are not used or are not mixed with uh, wet ingredients. Uh, according to this one, um, it's made with unbromated Passover wheat flour and salt as well as a couple of preservatives. So it's a traditional uh, flour that's used in Jewish community. Latkes being potato pancakes, um, what, what, do, what do you like to serve with your latkes? Um, so when I've made latkes in the past, I serve applesauce. And sometimes I've served sour cream. I think the applesauce is pretty traditional, but uh, I will confess that I did not research the appropriate accompaniment to vodkas. So if somebody else is aware of different things that go well with vodkas, let us know. Yeah, I've every time I've had vodkas in the past, I've had them with applesauce, mm -hmm. and I've always had them served that way. I think that might come from German tradition mm -hmm. uh, with potato pancakes. Do you want to tell me about the history of Gemuelo, Sean, while we're... Uh, waiting for the boil to heat up? Yeah, so uh, I'm going to be making a dish called a bimuelo. Uh, bimuelos are a fried donut um, that are served in lots of different ways. The way that we first heard about them and uh, we always have them is soaked effectively in honey mixed with orange. Uh, so the bimuelo comes from the uh, Sephardic Jewish culture. Um, the Sephardic Jewish culture was the uh, Jewish people who settled in the Iberian Peninsula. Their culture, uh, like with the Ashkenazi, um, had some connections and mixtures with the cultures around them. They have a language called Ladino, which is primarily a mixture of Hebrew and Spanish. Uh, and um, Which is, is kind of like the way Yiddish is a mixture of German and Hebrew. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, I mean, I'm a music teacher, so I started researching this as a part of uh, the work I do with my elementary kids around holidays at this time of year. Uh, and the music of um, the Ashkenazi and the Sephardic is also extremely different. Um, there's a lot of connections in uh, Ashkenazi music known as klezmer and uh, kind of the Eastern European polka styles. And for the Sephardic, it's mixed in with kind of the Spanish, Iberian, kind of uh, Arabic roots in guitar performance and playing. Uh, so bimuelos uh, are, as I said, they're a fried dough. We would think them similar to an American donut hole. Uh, and it's actually based on a dish uh, in Spain called a buñuelo, with a little umlaut over the end there, that is 
uh, served in almost every Spanish culture uh, as I looked into it. It was really interesting to see. In my research, I found that several um, historians find a connection between the Bimuelo and not just specifically a Spanish tradition, but also back into that Arab heritage of um, the people who settled in the Iberian Peninsula um, in the early part of um, history back in BCs. And a lot of different versions have it, have kind of come together um, from lots of different places. The Sephardic Bimuelo is often made using matzo flour, uh, similar to how the latke is made, which uh, makes sense. But there are versions of this in Spain, in, the, uh, in Mexico, down into Latin America, and even as far out as Turkey. Traditionally, um, I've found multiple different ways of eating them. They're eaten uh, in one culture at breakfast uh, every time. Sometimes they're served with powdered sugar. Sometimes they're served with uh, stuffed with various different things. Uh, or like in the case of how we saw, um, drizzled and soaked in honey. Sean's made them for two years in a row now, around the time of Hanukkah, and they are something I look forward to every year. Yeah, I found Bimuelos, as I said, in some research. I think I was listening to, I think we were listening to NPR, and we heard a story about Sephardic Jews, mm -hmm. uh, and they mentioned, you know, they mentioned that for a lot of um, Sephardic Jewish people who don't have a community around them, uh, Hanukkah became about latkes, and they missed Bimuelos, they missed that that food that they grew up with. Uh, so I found that really interesting, and when I started looking into it, I just decided it was something I had to make because it looked so delicious uh, as something to have. All right, so I just talked a whole bunch, I realized, that I uh, looked over and realized that uh, Dana had been doing a ton of stuff I forgot to ask her about. So Dana, what have you been doing? So our oil is ready, and I tested that by taking a little bit of our Vodka mixture and tossing it in the oil, and it started frying, making that beautiful sound. Um, and so I started forming the pancakes and picking up about a handful, quarter cup or so of uh, the potato mixture and kind of squeezing out the any extra liquid and kind of forming it into a little pancake in my hands. It's about mm, three or four inches across, not three inches across, uh, and just dropping it into the oil here. And I'm able to fit about five of these at a time in our cast iron skillet. The recipe I looked at said, don't crowd the latkes. And so I'm making sure to give them plenty of space. And once I got all the way around here, with uh, five latkes, I'll flip these over, make sure they get nice and evenly brown on both sides. And then I've got my oven set to a low temperature with a little uh, casserole dish in there. And uh, as these latkes are finishing, I am tossing them in the dish so they'll stay warm while I'm making the rest. Um, I've got one there that I made and I put it over there to cool and I want you to cut it in half and check it because I'm a little worried it'll be underdone in the middle. Well, it looks done. I mean, the best way to figure it out is to try it. Can I eat Yes, some? please okay. eat it. I'll let you guys know what it tastes like though. It's really good. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you can hear the crunch on it. Uh, I think it's it's done pretty well okay. in the center. Oh, good. Uh, the thing I like about um, 
latkes is you get all those flavors, so it's not just the um, mm. potato in there. You also get some of that onion flavor as well. Um, good seasoning on this one. Oh, thank you. So, Dan, uh, I don't know if you mentioned this. I'm going to say it anyways. Um, salt and pepper. Oh, yeah. I forgot to mention salt and pepper. Everything you, you do should have salt and pepper in it. It makes food taste more like food. I forgot to mention it because I figured it's just a given if you're cooking. <laughs> so if, you, if you're not used to cooking with salt and pepper, it's a, it's a habit to get into. Hey, Dana, where'd you get your recipe from? Oh, I got my recipe from JewishAction.com, which is uh, Jewish Action, according to the website, is the magazine of the Orthodox Union, which... Um, I believe is the the magazine for Orthodox Judaism. Makes sense. We are talk. We talked a lot about cultural Judaism, and we won't get a lot into religious uh, Judaism because we are not experts. Yes, it's not something that we know a ton about. Uh, so we want to make sure that we are being uh, <laughs> as knowledgeable as we can be as we do this podcast, mm-hmm. and as as well as culturally and religiously sensitive. If you're looking for um, things you could do um, to teach yourself or teach your uh, kids about Hanukkah, other than just making uh, delicious, delicious latkes and yummy, yummy bimuelos, um, one really good way to help tell that story is by playing a game called Dreidel, which we uh, which, did. Which Sean can actually claim some expertise in because he is a music teacher. And he teaches his students how to play dreidel every year. Mm-hmm. So uh, dreidel, which if you if you don't know, um, uh, dreidel is also known as a sevivon, um, but it's a top, uh, four sided, uh, square top with a point at the bottom. Uh, they're made in all kinds of different ways. You might know the famous song uh, "I Have a Little Dreidel." I made it out of clay. Uh, oh, you're gonna sing it for us. I have a little dreidel. I made it out of clay. And when it's dry and ready, then dreidel I shall play. Oh, dreidel, 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 I made it out of clay. Oh, dreidel, 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 now with it I will play. Dreidel is a game that is based entirely in the story of Hanukkah. In fact, on the four different sides of the dreidel, you'll find different Hebrew letters. The four different letters on the side of the dreidel are Nun, Gimel, He, and Shin. Uh, which does come from that sentence I mentioned earlier, Nesekadol Hayasham. So that sentence, a great miracle happened there, is built into the dreidel itself. So one of the fun things about the dreidel um, is the dreidel itself is actually can be different based on where you play it. If you play dreidel anywhere in the world that is not Jerusalem, your uh, dreidel will say Nesekadol Hayasham which, as I said, means a great miracle happened there. If you play in Israel specifically, your dreidel will actually say, uh, it will have a different letter. It will not have a shin on it. It will have a pei, which then translates to netzkadol haya po, or a great miracle happened here. It's kind of this cool little um, part of the dreidel game. So to play dreidel, uh, we played this last year with our now five-year-old daughter. Uh, well, almost five years old. Uh, and she loved it. You take your dreidel, whatever it is. Uh, we made ours out of paper and stuck a pencil through it, mm-hmm. actually. Uh, you can find uh, the instructions for that online very easily. You're listening. You might hear my daughter trying to sing the dreidel song in the background. 
Uh, so we stuck a pencil through this this kind of paper version of the dreidel, and we spin it, and you play in in a, a group of people, and you have something like uh, almonds are pretty traditional, uh, chocolate chips are what we use. You can also use raisins, and it's sort of like a betting game in a sense. So when you spin your dreidel, and it comes down, depending on what letter it comes down on, different things happen. If you land on uh, nun, you get, that nun stands for the Yiddish word nisht, which means nothing. Nothing happens is like a skip turn. If you land on hey, that is the Yiddish word halb, which means half. And you can take up half of whatever's in the center. I forgot to mention this ahead of time. Uh, you're still supposed to put a uh, raisin, almond, whatever you're using as currency into the center. Really traditionally, people would use uh, gold-plated chocolate coins for this. So again, if you roll... Which is, which is called what, Sean? It's called, isn't it called gelt? Gelt, yes. Mm -hmm. If you roll the... Um, or if you spin and you land on the nun, you, uh, that's the itch word nisht, which means nothing, so nothing happens. Uh, hey is halb or half, and you get to take half of what's in the middle. If you get gimel, gimel is the Yish word gantz, which means all, and you get to take everything in the middle. If you land on the shin, that comes from the Yiddish uh, phrase, shtel ein, uh, which means put in. So if you land on shin, you have to put a uh, bit of whatever your currency is into the center. I know so much about dreidel, one, because I researched it to teach to my kids, because it's great to teach it to first graders. They really enjoy playing it. Uh, I also know it because I've played dreidel before. Uh, my very first girlfriend was Jewish, and she invited me over for Hanukkah when I was 16, and I played dreidel at their house for gelt. Uh, the thing I loved about playing dreidel uh, with that family was, according to their rules, and according to most of the rules I've seen, you play until somebody wins all of the chocolate gelt, uh, or the raisins, or the almonds, whatever, and then... Instead of that one person getting to eat all of it, they share it back out with the family and with anyone that's playing. So everyone gets to share in that. What I love about that imagery of sharing the food out is that part of what Hanukkah is about is Hanukkah is not about the presents. It's about the story. It's about that moment where the Jewish people came together to defeat an enemy that was in their midst, specifically led by the Maccabees. Who was threatening their culture and their religion. And their very existence, mm -hmm. really. And when I, I mean, one of the things that happens um, every night at Hanukkah is you get a gift. A lot of people celebrate um, the gift giving at Hanukkah in different ways. But the way it was taught to me by um, uh, the family of that first girlfriend was the gift is supposed to be homemade. Um, it's not necessarily one you buy. Uh, and part of that is that connection back to this kind of community aspect of it, which in my research a different... Um, cultures, I found that a lot, that um, gift giving at the holiday season isn't about what you can buy, it's about what you can make in a way of sharing. Alright, since uh, we're kind of splitting the format up a little bit this time, uh, we thought we'd actually ask our kids about this food, since they're eating it right now. So... Uh, Avin is our almost five-year-old. Uh, so, Avin, what do you think of the latkes? It's really potato-y, and I love it. I like the applesauce. I like 
everything in this meal. Okay. Do would you try the applesauce on your latkes, or do you like them separate? I like them on my latkes. Okay. And then we have our almost two-year-old son. He might not be as verbose as our almost five-year-old daughter. Liam, do you like the food? And that's about as good as we're going to get. So just to give you an idea, at this point, our two-year-old has demolished 90% of his applesauce and is happily chomping away at a latke. Uh, and our almost five-year-old has uh, eaten a little slower because she's savoring it a little bit more. So that is our verdict so far on latkes from our, well, the people who are not us. All right, so we're eating our uh, latke dinner now. Um, what do you think, Dana, about this recipe? Uh, it's, it's good. This is definitely more oil than I've used in the past. Uh, I've, you know, I think when I've made latkes in the past, I've used the, um, the lightly oiled version of this recipe uh, for health reasons. But it's it's kind of nice every now and then to, you know, eat some deeply fried potatoes. You really can't go wrong with fried potatoes, and they're delicious. I think maybe a little bit more salt. Then um, I find it funny the way the differences in how we're eating. Um, my uh, wife has a fork and a spoon, and she's cutting up her latkes with a fork and oh. then putting some applesauce on it. I, in the meantime, am just scooping applesauce on top and picking them up like a donut and eating them that way. Um, there's not, I don't think there's a wrong way to eat this. There's no wrong way to eat this. Um, the spoon's not really doing much for me here. It's really just to get the applesauce onto my plate, but cutting off a bite of latke and then putting a little applesauce on top and then putting it in my mouth. Yeah, it's a delicious combination. So our daughter has decided that she would like to say something else. So Avin, come over here. Tell us. This food was really good. My mama cooked it. It tastes very That was the sound of our son throwing a spoon on the floor. Thank you, Avin. It's high praise. High praise from Avin Tali. Uh, this is a great dish to cook for kids, by the way, to introduce them to cultural things. Um, even at a really young age, as you can see, you can't go wrong with fried potatoes and applesauce. Uh, we decided that I'm going to take the leftover lactose to work tomorrow mm -hmm. and record my... Yes, we hear you, Leo. And record my... That's my son baking for more. Um, we're going to take this to Liam. Here, have Daddy's lactose. We're gonna take uh, some latkes to. Uh, I'm gonna take some latkes to work tomorrow and record my coworkers' reactions to them uh, to kind of get a sense of that. We'll probably do the same thing with the bimuelos so they don't sit around our house and tempt us with their deliciousness. Well, I think we're gonna eat the bimuelos when Heather and Meg are here, right? Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna make bimuelos on Saturday morning. It's the plan. Uh, hopefully that works out. Okay, so a latke is a potato pancake. It's used at um, Hanukkah by uh, members of the Ashkenazi Jewish uh, culture. Typically, it's eaten with applesauce. Uh, you're welcome to have some applesauce if you'd like, or you can just try them. So uh, she's going to try a latke and let us know what she thinks. Okay, here's my fork. Yes. Let me try this one right here. Mmm. 
That is delicious. Yeah, so there, we, we talked about it on our podcast a little bit. Um, you know, we make them by just basically frying and. Have I had the whole thing? Oh, yeah, totally right. <laughs> it's good. So the tradition is that you fry foods in oil at, at Hanukkah because of that miracle of the oil lasting mm-hmm. for eight days. And mm-hmm. so, you know, this is the one. My wife, my wife made these ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll be making bimuelos later, but I'm making those on a Saturday. That's got a really good taste. Um, it's way better than hash browns that we don't. Oh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> this is like, yeah, so it's onion. It's onion and potatoes. Yeah. And you grate those and kind of mix them together uh-huh. with something called uh-huh. matzah, which is a, uh, basically kosher flour. Yes. Uh, and then bind it with an egg and then fry it. Yes. So what's the history about behind this with, with Hanukkah? So with Hanukkah is a, um, comes from a story that happened in the uh, 2nd century BC. Mm-hmm. And it's the story of when the Maccabites, led by Judah Maccabee, mm-hmm. uh, defeated the Syrian Greek Empire mm-hmm. and uh, kicked them out of Jerusalem. Okay. The, uh, the story of Hanukkah, the reason they light the eight candles, is that the... Um, they lit the oil in the menorah, which was a lampstand inside the temple. Right. Uh-huh. And yeah. it burned for eight days on one day's worth of oil. So it's a, quite an interesting story, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Explain the kosher. Everything's kosher because... Uh, blessed by a rabbi, blessed in this by, case. Because okay. flour is not something typically that you have kosher laws against. Right, yeah. But um, in this case, blessed by a rabbi, created by a Jewish, um, in a Jewish mill with a Jewish workers, mm-hmm. typically. Yes. So this is uh, Derek. He's a gosh, second, third grade teacher this year. Yes. Uh, at my school, um, he is uh, has offered to try these as well. So, what do you know about latkes? I don't know anything. So a latke is a potato pancake. Um, in this case, it's made by mixing onions and potatoes together with uh, matzah flour and um, egg. Is that from Europe? It's a yeah, it's an Ashkenazi Jewish thing. Okay. So it comes out of Eastern Europe, uh, German culture. Okay. Uh, and it's used at Hanukkah specifically, which is on Sunday. Okay. So you can go ahead and try them if you like. Either one, doesn't matter. And you can also have some applesauce. Are you supposed to dip it in? Up to you. So it's kind of like a texture, kind of like if I was to have sausage, Mm -hmm. but with potato inside, it reminds me of, it's got a little bit more taste than a hash brown. Yeah, that would be the onion in it. Oh, that's what it is. I like it because I love onion and potato. So now I have a question. Yes. Is there any flour in here? A little bit of matzah flour. Is matzah corn? No. Just wheat flour. Wheat flour. Yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah, so these were made by my wife. Um, We kind of split this one up, so she's doing these, and I'm doing something called a bimuelo, which comes from uh, the Iberian Peninsula part of Europe. So I'm imagining that after you put this together, is this fried? Yep. In oil? Yes. Okay. The tradition in Hanukkah is that for all eight days you uh, fry all your foods in oil uh, in memory of the um, the oil that lasted for all eight days in the original story. Mm. I think I like it because I like things in oil. <laughs> <laughs> it's always better when it's fried, right? Mm-hmm. I think that makes a difference to the onions. Yeah. So if it was just potato, then I would think it would be more like a hash brown. Yeah. But because it has the onions. Yeah, I like it. Oh, God, thank you. We decided to make our bimuelos for breakfast this year um, instead of for dessert.
which is apparently a tradition for uh, some different uh, Jewish families. Uh, the muelo is a, I mean, we might think of it as a donut hole. Um, in our case, uh, <clears throat> soaked or drizzled with orange and honey sauce. Uh, it is the uh, traditional Hanukkah food of the Sephardic um, Jewish people, which, as I mentioned earlier, are the people from the Iberian Peninsula and Northern Africa. The bimuelo comes from um, the word bunuelo, uh, which is the Spanish word for the same kind of basic donut. The recipe I'm using comes from myjewishlearning.com, uh, and pretty straightforward recipe. One thing you should know about making bimuelos, though, is that they do require a rise, so you can expect about an hour to an hour and a half before you can actually fry them. Uh, once they're fried, it's best to eat them really quick and get them ready to go because uh, they are best, at least the version that I always make, when they are hot. I know um, some families have do like to have them made at the very beginning of the year or of the uh, Hanukkah season and then they'll eat them uh, cold for breakfast, but uh, we always find that we like them hot the best personally. Uh, one of the important things to do is to uh, bloom your yeast. So I'm taking a portion of my water, in this case a half cup, and I'm going to put all of my yeast into that um, along with a little bit of sugar to give it um, something to kind of wake it up uh, and get it ready to go. My uh, daughter is here for this one. Avin, say hi. Hi. She's going to be helping me make this today. She's very, very excited about this whole process, apparently, because she keeps asking me when she gets to do her part. Uh, so, Avin, the first thing we should do is we need to get all of our stuff together. That way we're not running around like crazy people trying to get it all set. So, uh, let's check what we got so far and make sure. So, we have oil. Yes. We have yeast. Yes. We have warm water divided. So, I have a half a cup here and I have another cup over here. We have the orange juice and the orange zest. We have salt, which you grabbed, right? We have sugar and the honey. We need the honey still, but we can grab that in a second. So we're going to start putting this together. I'm going to bloom my yeast. Can I put in the yeast? Uh, yeah, sure. So let me grab a tablespoon of this yeast and a teaspoon of the sugar. Here, why don't you measure out a teaspoon of sugar and I will measure out a tablespoon of yeast. Remember how to do that, Alvin? Yes. Do you want it to be heaped or do you want it to be nice and smooth? Smooth. Smooth, good job. All right, so I'm gonna sprinkle my yeast on the top of the water. You're gonna add in the sugar, good job. And then I'm going to give it a little, I like to give my yeast a little stir with the sugar just to kind of help it. All right, that's enough of the sugar for now. So now we have to get everything else kind of prepped and ready to go. So we're going to add together um, flour and sugar and salt into a large bowl. Can we put salt? Yeah, we need three quarters of a teaspoon of salt. I'm gonna mix this up really quick with my, my pork first and then I'll let you do a little mixing too. Go ahead. What about your We're getting there in the mix. So 
the yeast needs to bloom for about 10 minutes um, to give it time. Uh, in that 10 minutes, there's other things you can do. A quick tip if you've never worked with honey before, uh, honey can get really sticky and hard to get out. So a couple seconds in a microwave will help warm it up and allow you to get the honey out a lot easier. So. Out of the container it came in. Yeah, out of right. the container it came in, right. yeah. Now, if you're using a measuring spoon and you don't want the honey to be, to lose all your honey to the inside of your measuring spoon, uh, just take like a little dab of oil and rub it on the inside of your measuring spoon. Not enough, not enough to like create any volume in the bottom of the spoon, but just enough to coat the inside and the honey will slide right off and you'll get the exact right amount of honey you were trying to get. All right, so we are about to start frying bimuelos. I got about four inches of oil in my Dutch oven, about to the right temperature at this point. Um, I am going to, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna oil my hands and I'm gonna make walnut-sized bits of the dough, fry the uh, walnut-sized balls of the dough and then put them on some paper towels to drain a little bit. I've already got my orange and honey syrup uh, set and just on low heat and I'll make all my bimuelos and then I like to pour over inside of a large bowl and then kind of flip my bimuelos to coat them evenly. So I'm going to do that now. All right, so we're eating bimuelos now um, as we go. Um, let's start, let's start with, with us. We've got uh, Heather, Megan, and my two children who you guys heard on our latkes portion of this. So let's, uh, let's start with the little kids. Avin, what do you think of bimuelos? Um, they're very honey and I like them. Mm -hmm. They are very honey. They are they very are honey. Very honey. Yes. Liam. Liam, do you like the bimuelos? No. No. Oh, good smile. Mm -hmm. Ooh. Sleepy oh, eyes. Mm -hmm. And also, it might get sticky eyes. Sticky eyes. Mm -hmm. All right, so. <laughs> Heather, Megan, you've never had these before. What do you think? We haven't. I, part of me actually really likes them when they're uncoated because the orange flavor comes through. I also like the honey. Um, delicious coating, but I can see the I can uh, I can see why people have eaten these for a long time because they're delicious. Mm -hmm. They are delicious. What about you, Heather? I was running up to get some tea, um, <laughs> but they're great. Um, I think I'd want maybe a little bit more orange with the honey, but the texture is really good. They're delicious. They don't seem that hard to make either, which uh, means that might be something we do at home. Dangerous. Yeah. Dangerous. We've, we've introduced you to a dangerous food. Mm-hmm. A dangerous Dangerously food. delicious. Yeah. So, um, I will say I could have cooked these a little longer um, on the inside, which means my oil was probably a little hotter than I thought it was. Uh, which is, you know, I mean, if you're not being uber precise with measurements and things like that, that's something that will happen. So there's probably going to be inconsistencies across each bimuelo itself. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, they still taste amazing, and there's no egg in this dish. So the uh, dough is safe to eat, even if it's a little bit under. Oh, good. Um, um did, you, did you need another bimuelo? <gasps> More bimuelos. Here, you can have another one. I like bimuelos because they're honey. So, when this episode drops uh, will be Hanukkah. Um, and as you're kind of thinking about what you want to do, um, if you want to uh, acknowledge that season, um, Remember latkes and bimuelos. Do you guys do anything to acknowledge Hanukkah? Uh, not 
generally we've been to other events from uh other people's Hanukkah celebrations, but not for not for a long time. I grew up with a lot of Jewish families, but my family is vaguely Jewish, but not practicing. Uh, what do you remember from um the Jewish celebrations you experienced growing up? I remember a lot of delicious food and laughter and care and uh I actually haven't been yeah, I haven't been to someone's Hanukkah celebration in a really long time. Mm-hmm. Mostly because up here in the northwest there's a lot less Jewish families than where I grew up in California. Well one of the nice things about um Hanukkah as a holiday, um it's not a religious holiday um or observance. So Sure, it's not a high holiday. Yeah. So you can um it's, it's a good way to introduce particularly like younger children to a culture that they don't understand because you're introducing them through food, which is pretty universal. And as we already said, through games like Dreidel and stuff like that. So if you're looking for that kind of avenue in um, to kind of talk about these things with your kids, then this is a great one, especially since you can make benuelos with uh, children. So, Avin, how old are you now? So my four-year-old daughter helped make these. So she, I mean, she measured flour. Um, we talked some math, which you'll hear um, maybe a little bit of on the recording. I haven't decided if I'm going to keep it yet. Um, I don't know Okay. <laughs> and she was able to be a part of this process. I do have the, the consistent Hanukkah tradition that I have access to is the CEO of the organization I work for is Jewish. And so she makes everyone in our like 60-person organization vodkas. Um, oh, yeah. Over a whole day, and so that this uh, this year it will be on Wednesday that she'll make latkes for our entire organization, um, which is a real labor of love because she does it from scratch. So mm. how delicious! Yeah, she's the best. How similar is this to a, like a pretzel dough? Yeah, I that's a good haven't question. made pretzels I in a really I haven't long time. made pretzels because the, the dough like reminds me that it's. Like pretzels are light but also dense. Is that uh-huh. pretzel? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pretzels, pretzels, I believe, are similar to bagels in that I think you boil them a little bit before you bake them, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. which you don't do with these because these are just fried. Um, coming out, they come out of very different areas. Um, pretzels originating in the in Eastern Europe and these originating in kind of the uh, diaspora area. So, for I mean, those, for those listeners who don't know what the diaspora, what the Jewish diaspora is, would you like to explain that? That is um, the uh, area that the Jewish people spread out into, and when we typically talk diaspora, we talk uh, Middle East, Northern Africa, into the Iberian Peninsula. Um, I'm not sure why uh, Eastern Europe isn't a part of that. Honestly, I wish I could. <laughs> I don't remember historically why I we think, don't. I, I think, think part of how they were pushed out of Diaspora in, in general refers to when a people are exiled from their homeland Far and, and spread out into the world. Yeah. Um, yeah, so um, this is a tradition that's that's worth trying because um, it's not a very well-known tradition in this, in this country, Bimuelos. Uh, uh, most of you, if you think of Hanukkah, probably think of latkes, which it makes sense because yeah. that is the predominant cultural tradition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I hadn't heard of these before either. What do you uh, think of them now that you have? They're delicious and amazing. I think I've eaten them before, but I just didn't know what they were called. 
Which is a lot of food in places when you're a kid. Mama? Yes, honey. You hit me with my boots. There's like six, kiddo. Yeah, how about this? How about this? You split this last one with me. You get me some milk. So what do you, yes. um, when you guys put water, do you do applesauce and sour cream? Uh, it depends on the year. This year we had no sour cream, so it was applesauce. Oh, oh. yeah, we do, yeah, uh, our CEO does applesauce and sour cream. Yep, and she also puts out ketchup for those people that, uh, Oh, that sounds like for people that want a waste of a lot cut of cover and ketchup. I yeah. feel like it is, but everyone has different tastes. Also, a lot of people, especially up here, don't have much experience with it, so the closest thing they have is, like, potato pancakes, so they think, like, french fry. Sure. And then they eat it with ketchup. Mm-hmm. Our so. favorite way, which probably isn't very traditional to eat latkes, is to have a latke and then sour cream and then a fried egg on top. Mm-hmm. That sounds delicious. So it you is can, very delicious. So it's it's cheating, but you can buy the latkes from Trader Joe's all year round. This post is not sponsored by Trader Joe's. But you can but buy the latke. It could be. Uh... Hit us up, Trader Joe's. So, um, thank you guys for joining us for this slightly unusual episode. Um... Uh, as we stated at the beginning, if you have any comments, any suggestions, if you'd like to uh, educate us a little bit more on what we just created and what we talked about, uh, please contact us. We have a uh, Gmail account just for the podcast now, which is neighborstablepodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can also find us on Podbean, which is the service we're um, trying out as a way of getting these out to you rather than um, SoundCloud, which is what we use first. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll still post the links up onto Facebook, uh, but if you would like to just uh, go to Podbean, you can find our RSS feed, uh, put that into your podcast server, and it will automatically download new episodes for you, making you something of a subscriber, which we would love to hear about. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you have any suggestions of foods that you would like us to try, please let us know. Uh, looking forward to the future, I can guarantee you at least that we will have some uh, vegan Iranian food. Uh, coming down the pipeline, but probably not until about March next year. Yeah. Um, we're looking at some other options for December. Uh, it just kind of depends on our time. Yeah. Anything else to add? No. Um, this was this was a delicious episode. Avin is raising her hand, though. Do you have a comment, Avin? You want to say thank you? Thank you. You want to say thank you? Thank you for being our listeners. Say it. Say it. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you, Avin. In the meantime, eat something delicious and check out what's on your neighbor's table.